Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is a brave new world for your podcast and for us. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com, along with Stephen Means and along with Andrew Gillis who joined the podcast for the first time last week, has fully joined our team, and is going to be covering Ohio State football with us uh going forward and I did not realize until about two and a half minutes ago that Andrew and Steven have never met have never spoken a word to each other and no. have still I guess never been in the same room as each other because Steven no. was not at the NFL draft where we got to hang out with you a little bit Andrew Andrew you were not up at the meeting that we just had the big staff meeting that we had a couple months ago whenever that was up in Cleveland you guys have just been missing each other so I feel like this is uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves to each other and and tell us all a little bit about yourself? No, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're gonna do like two truths and a lie, and we're gonna have a very fun yeah. first time. Yeah. What did you do over your summer break, <laughs> Stephen? You just got back from vacation. I did. I did. How I left the country. It was awesome. I left the country. I went to St. Martin, and it's really funny. I found out Doug was leaving while I was headed to the airport. So I haven't really had a chance to really wrap my head around what was happening. I just hopped in the car and he calls me. And so I call him back. I'm like, why is he calling me? He goes, yeah, I'm leaving. I'm like, well, okay, cool. Um, well then have a nice life. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, we went to St. Martin. I was there for about a week and a half. Um, highly recommended. Anywhere near the equator, I'm always good for it. And then we came back. I was in Columbus for all of maybe 12 hours, um, enough to get some phone stuff situated because both of our phones fell in the ocean at one point. But that's a story for another day. Um, and then we we came back, and then we flew to Chicago to go to the Beyonce concert, and I've been back in my home for about six hours. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. you got home just in time to do some recruiting uh, reporting for us. Uh, yeah. We're going to get to that. We're going to start the podcast with that. We are going to talk later about the future of Buckeye Talks. That's going to be like the second and third segments of this. You guys know how this works. It's usually a, a three-segment approach. And I asked our tech subscribers for their questions about the pod and everything else. And we got some great football questions. I held those back. We read all of them. We're just not going to get to those today. We're going to save those probably for maybe later this week. Tonight we're going to, today I should say, uh, this Monday uh, Buckeye Talk that you're listening to, we're going to get into what you guys want to know about us and what's going on with the future of the podcast. But before we get to that, Ohio State did have on Sunday night a commitment announcement that it was waiting for. Stephen, tell us a little about that guy and how that went down. Yeah, Kingston Bielamu Asa, number 102 player, the number eight linebacker in the country, it, it, 
I mean, this guy was the first kid to have an offer from Ohio State in the 2024 class. I remember back in 21, that June, when he and a couple other St. John Bosco kids at high school in California came for a day camp, him, Mateo Uyagaleye, um, I think Peyton Woodyard was here, and a couple other people, and he was a fresh off his freshman year of high school and they off they liked what they saw from him and so they offered him and they had been steadily building a relationship ever since and you know fast forward two years later when it's time to maybe make a decision for him and it comes down to Notre Dame, USC and Ohio State. So it's like, okay, is he gonna jump on board with a USC team that's now relevant because Lincoln Riley's there and so maybe you lock down some more of these in state California kids on defense or does the Notre Dame thing, because like I said, St. John Bosco. So it's not all that shocking when kids who spend their lives in Catholic high schools and Catholic middle schools end up at Notre Dame. That's pretty common, especially a lot of Polynesian kids. So it's not completely shocking, but it felt like Ohio State kind of was in the lead. And I think he told 247 Sports um, right after his announcement that when he left his Ohio State visit that last weekend, of June that he was pretty sold that he was probably going to Ohio state, that Notre Dame wasn't even on the radar. It was probably going to be Ohio state. And this had turned into a thing where it's regardless of whether or not Ohio state wins or not right now, can they hold on to him through signing day? If some things change with USC's class with, as I mentioned, Peyton Woodyard, the four-star safety who right now is committed to uh, Georgia, but most expecting to flip the USC at some point, could that maybe, maybe get, Kingston to change some of his thinking process later down the line. But he went on a church trip over the weekend and really got a chance to think about it and talk about it with his family. And I think a lot of his family was more sold on Notre Dame than maybe he was. And so once he got back from that trip and was ready to make a decision, Notre Dame ends up pulling out the win here. So Ohio State still wants a third linebacker in his class to add with Peyton Pierce and Garrett Stover. But it's very much back to the drawing board now because there was a lot put into Kingston being that third guy, even with Edwin Stillman still being on the board up until last week when he committed to Tennessee, as most expected him to. He's got family who plays for that team as well. So that that wasn't shocking. But it's very much back to the drawing board. And listen, a lot of the top linebackers in the country are already committed. And so we'll see if they end up getting that third linebacker. I personally don't think they need it with what the scholarship numbers are going to be next for over the next couple of years here, but they would like to have a third one if they could find one. Right. So this would have taken Ohio state to as many as seven scholarship linebackers for 2024. They know they're going to lose Tommy Eichenberg. They know they're going to lose steel chambers. They might lose Cody Simon. So that would have taken them mm-hmm. down to four returning guys if no one leaves, I think that's actually the, the critical thing here is that if you're assuming no other attrition, I think that's why they've tried to get a third linebacker in this class, because mm-hmm. I don't know if you can 100 percent assume that because that's just the, the world that we live in 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 college football. And because they do only start two linebackers, but you like to have you want to have three levels. You want to have some wiggle rooms. So you yeah. can work those specialized packages with Sam stuff and, and things like that. So this was a, a weird one because I feel like I'm just going to call him um, KVA. And I'm, I'm I'm bummed that we don't get to, like, call him KVA because we're probably never going to talk about him again, actually. I mean, they're not going to play Notre Dame, and he didn't go to USC, yeah. who they would play. So we may never really talk about him again. I don't know. But um, they, he wasn't, like, a need for the class because he already had the two linebacker commitments, as you say. But he was clearly someone that they had a long relationship with and kind of prioritized a little bit. So why don't 
do you think Ohio State ultimately, you had predicted him being in this class. Mm-hmm. If you were re-predicting today, do you think Ohio State gets a another linebacker commit in this class? No, not if I had to predict it right now because you just the names don't appear right now. It's very much back to square one. You're going to have to flip some people at this point if you want a guy who's Ohio State caliber. So you almost have to see – it's almost at this point throwing feelers out there to see if anybody nibbles is where they're at here. And at least they've got six months to try to figure that out, um, which is where Ohio State's at with a lot of defensive positions. They need to know decisions now, whether it's that linebacker, whether it's that safety, whether it's that corner. So they know what to do next so they're not caught like they were in 23, where in a span of four weeks you found out your top three edge rushing targets were all off the board, but you only had three weeks to make that up. You're not finding a top five edge rusher at that point. So – Having that so much time is why they're really forcing the issue with some of these top tier guys and hoping they make decisions and a lot of them have decision dates at this point. But right now, I don't think they'll get it. I think they'll try. I think there will be some names that they'll try to get to, they'll, they'll get feelers out to and maybe try to get to some games this fall, but I just don't see it happening at this point. Andrew, one of the questions we got from our tech subscribers of someone who listened to Friday's podcast and you had mentioned your dad being a uh, an Ohio State fan, but they pointed out like you never mentioned what your own fandom was growing up. Does it give you any perspective on this particular decision and, and maybe what this means for Notre Dame? Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, I mean, growing up, um, you know, I grew up in the DC area, there wasn't a college team and, you know, Notre Dame was my pick. So I was a Notre Dame fan as a kid. And, you know, I think, you know, you look at kind of where this class is for Ohio State, I was kind of doing some, you know, just kind of basic research, you know, I've only been here a few days, but I mean, how different would be like, what, what would the conversation we would be having, you know, what would that conversation be like if Justin Scott had committed to Michigan? Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. they have one defensive player in the top 100 right now. Like, I mean, you lose Kingston Villiamuasa to Notre Dame. Kind of sound. I know this is an offensive player, but it kind of sounds like everything I've read that Gerby Lambert is kind of leaning towards Notre Dame as well. Like Mm -hmm. that's those are guys that I mean, as a one-off, you're going to lose these recruiting battles, right? Like you're going to lose KVA to a Notre Dame. You're going to lose Gerby Lambert to a Notre Dame or to a Michigan. Like these these things happen, but you just kind of start to look at the class and. The highest ranked players in their class right now, wide receiver, wide receiver, aside from Justin Scott, wide receiver, wide receiver, quarterback, running back. Like you've got to start hitting on some of these higher level defensive players because that's what Ohio State. I mean, every time I watch Ohio State, it. I mean, there's never a doubt that they can hang 45 on anybody. They just did on Georgia and you need more high end defensive players because you can get all the four stars in the world. You can have a high blue chip ratio. You know, you can do all those great things. But if you don't have a lot of high four-star level players, especially one who comes from St. John Bosco in the Trinity League out in California, like, I mean, that's, I mean, if you know anything about California, that's modern mm-hmm. day, that like, that's a great area for high school football. Like, those are the kinds of kids that you need to start to hit. So I think, you know, I'm curious to see kind of how this evolves in terms of, okay, you know, you got Justin Scott, great, outstanding, need that kind of guy to win a national championship. But I'm curious kind of how this evolves as over time, as over time as this builds, just because, you know, Notre Dame can get one and then Michigan can get one. Well, they can't get everyone. So you've got to start getting these high level defensive recruits. And I think, like Steven said, you know, you're, you're kind of going towards flip season if you, uh, I mean, if you want to bring in an elite level player like that. Andrew, 
Have you been just like listening to the last year and a half of Nathan and I <laughs> yeah. doing recruiting? That's the- all. Yeah, that's all we ever say is they get good quarterbacks, they get wide receivers. Where are the defensive recruits? Now, uh, I, I do want to push back. Existential uh, crisis of Ohio State yes. football recruiting. <laughs> Literally, okay. this is all the right, only issue. So I got through issue. my first and, answer, and I didn't sound yeah, like yeah. an idiot. So that's good. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. Yeah, Ooh, you're on the breather. you're on the path, and because you, you hit on some stuff there. It's, it, there is a fear amongst the fan base right now that you feel like you're in the same spot you were a year ago, where it's the last weekend of July. You're coming off of those June official visits and you feel like you have all this confidence that you're going to learn this five star, this top 100 recruit, this top 50 recruit. All these guys are coming eventually. And then one by one, they all start falling off every left and right, whether it was Caleb Downs or Mateo Uyangaleye or Keon Keeley, Damon Wilson, and on down the list last year. It felt like that got fixed. Some of that felt like it was NIL reasons, but some of that's just you didn't recruit as well as Alabama or Georgia did. And that's why they're Alabama or Georgia. So here we are again, where the NIL part isn't as much as of an excuse. And it's KJ Bolden. It's Kingston Villamuasa. It's Edric Houston. It's Dylan Stewart. It's Aaron Scott. It's the same concept. And you're just waiting to see. You're in wait and see mode. Aaron Scott's up next. He'll, he'll commit here on, on Sunday and it's down in Ohio State and Michigan. But you put it blankly. One, but each individual one, you can explain. You can explain Kingston. Okay. It makes sense how he ended up at Notre Dame. This is a Catholic guy who grew up in the Catholic school system. Kirby Lambert's a very, very low key kid. Like I think he's done one interview ever. He just doesn't. And so maybe he wants a smaller environment than what Ohio State provides and Notre Dame can provide that. Those are all explainable. But what all, when one plus one equals two, it's fine. But eventually one plus one plus one plus one plus one is going to equal 15. And then you're going to see it on the field when you play Michigan, when you play uh, Oregon, and when you play Georgia, and when you play Alabama. So that's what we're talking. It's not about one individual one. It's are we going to see a repeat of last year where you thought you had all these guys, and then on signing day we're asking, hey, what happened to all these guys you were supposed to get? Now, there's good reason to believe that won't happen this time around, but – I mean, it's happened to Marquise Lightfoot and now KVA, as he's the new JTT apparently. That's two now. Two guys where you probably came into the summer thinking those guys were an official visit away from being locked. And now Marquise Lightfoot is off to Miami and Kingston Villalamuas is off to Notre Dame. Yeah, like JT Tumaloa, I was going to call him KVA until he told me I couldn't anymore. Uh, but now, sure. like I said, we're, we're never going to have to deal with that. So there's a, there's a player in, in, the 2023 class at Notre Dame from a mentor, uh, Brendan Vernon, defensive lineman, who was heavily recruited by Ohio State. But I remember going to talk to him at one of Ohio State's camps and being like, oh, you're about to get broke up with Ohio State. Like this guy, (laughs) you could tell he was already into Notre Dame at at that stage and and pretty soon after that made his commitment. And um, and now Kingston uh, Villamu (laughs) <laughs> I already blew it. I already blew it. KVA um, becomes another one. And this is what he told um, – this is what he said after his commitment tonight. This is, what he, this is from the Rivals uh, report. Uh, it's a place where I don't have to compromise. I'll get the best of both worlds, education and football opportunities. And this last week, I've really been praying, and I feel like God led me to choose Notre Dame. It's a different feeling when you step on campus. It's a really spiritual place. It's a place where I feel I'm going to be able to be focused and be able to come – to become the best man, athlete, and student I can be. Now, obviously, there's a lot of Ohio State uh, prospects who have said very similar things over the course of their career about something about Ohio State. Usually, not that it's spiritual, but that something on campus they get there, it, it you know, it makes them they, they feel it. But 
Andrew, again, could you have some insight into what Notre Dame wants to do, what it wants to be, what it is right now? Does do you, do you think Notre Dame fans, you get the vibe from the program, like they have to make inroads in Ohio or against the kind of athlete that would be going to Ohio State um, in order to sort of pull back up maybe to that tier that Ohio State is at, which I think most people would say as good as Notre Dame is, that is still clearly a tier above that. Well, I, I don't know if it's uh, Ohio specifically. Uh, I think it's, you know, you need to recruit more Ohio State level players. I mean, and, and like, look, I mean, kind of like Steven just said, and I'm glad he reaffirmed that point. God, that took such a load off my shoulders. Um, <laughs> you know, you you talk about, uh, I mean, you talk about some of these guys that, you know, are at Ohio State right now. I mean, Ohio State still has a really, really nice recruiting class. Like you look at the rankings, they're still very, very highly recruited. Now, obviously, a lot of those players are offensive players, but still. So, I mean, you just kind of look around and see, okay, like how many players at, for example, like you said, with Notre Dame, how many players could actually, like, if you if you could take them right now, how many players at Notre Dame played Ohio State? Left tackle Joe Alt, 100%. Cornerback mm-hmm. Benjamin Morrison, 100%. Sam Hartman, probably. Uh, Blake Fisher, right tackle. I mean, y- you start to yeah. get kind of down the line. And you, you just kind of look and say, like, I don't know how many of these guys that there are. And that goes for a lot of programs. So I think it, it's a national game. I mean, you look at kind of where these recruits are from from Ohio State. I'm pulling, I have the list right now. Illinois, Florida, Indiana, Georgia, Texas, Ohio, Ohio, Indiana, Ohio, Arizona, Texas. Like, these are guys that are national. So I don't think it's an Ohio thing. I think the way that a lot of these programs are starting to recruit now, and then, I mean, you have – USC and UCLA going into the Big Ten like this is a national game and it has been for a while so I think that it's it's not so much you know you have to recruit a certain type of player it's you have to recruit a certain type of player everywhere Um, you know I know one of the things that you know you talk about with with specifically with Notre Dame and I think this sounded really big with with Kingston today was I mean the academic part and the religious part like that matters to a lot of people like Notre Dame doesn't lose a lot of living rooms when you recruit these kids, because mm-hmm. like, what parent sits there listening to a high school, like, a, a, excuse me, a college coach saying your son is going to get a great education. Your son is going to, you know, do this academically and your son is going to have this and, you know, blah, 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 especially if they're a religious family. Like that sounds really good to a parent. And I'm not saying Ohio state sounds bad. I'm just saying that like, you know, that's kind of the pull and that matters to some kids. Obviously, it matters more to, uh, you know, for some kids to make it to the NFL because you just look at the recruiting classes. But I think that that's kind of where that you, you look and I mean, Michigan started to make inroads over these last few years. Their recruiting classes are getting better. So I think that that's kind of where it is. It's it's more of a national thing. And I mean, one like like Steven said, one plus one, that's fine. But the more this kind of adds up and specifically on the defensive side of the ball, then you're going to start to get into some problems for uh, for Ohio State. Steven, you actually even already mentioned um, like they, Ohio State has a linebacker in this class that Notre Dame wanted as well, right? And yeah. and, and Ohio State got that job done. Do you? I and mean, this is completely unfair, but did they get the one that they wanted of those two? Because I think that's what it ultimately comes down oh. to, right? <laughs> um, yes and no. I, I honestly think the answer is yes and no because – like I said, Kingston is the first person they offered in this class. Not Dillareola, not Jeremiah Smith, not well, Mylon Graham was like shortly, it was like a year later, but not Mylon Graham, not the five, not Justin Scott, not the five stars, the dude who's 
borderline top 100 recruit is the first person they offered, and he's from California, and you don't get him. So from that point, no, you didn't get the person you want. I think that James Laurinaitis allowed you to benefit from a recruitment that probably shouldn't have gone your way. And in some ways, because they didn't really get in on Peyton Pierce like that until James Laurinaitis showed up in January. And that's what made that possible is that Peyton Pierce chose James Laurinaitis. James Laurinaitis just changed employers, but he was still choosing him first in that situation, which I think brings up a bigger issue. I've talked at length since James Laurinaitis got here of like, man, he can be for the linebackers what Brian Hartline was for the wide receivers one day if when he that opportunity is presented. But right now, he's a GA. He cannot leave. He can only work when these players are on campus. He can't go out and recruit. And I've talked since Jim Knowles got hired that he got hired to scheme and fix the defense, but he didn't get hired to necessarily replenish the defense with talent. His recruiting prowess is not why he's here. He was never a good recruiter. That can't continue. Now, if we get to a place where, as we've talked about, they eliminate the cap on how many assistant coaches you have, then fine. Go back in your room and you draw up as many plays as possible as long as they work in the games that matter most. But until that happens, this can't be James Laurinaitis. You can't rely on James Laurinaitis to get the job done for you with every single recruit because he can only work his best if a player comes here. Jim Knowles has to be on the road. This is two years in a row where – there's a top 100 recruit where it feels like Ohio State's got him at linebacker. Last year was Tackett Curtis, and where did he end up? Ironically enough, USC. This time around, it's a guy who's also thinking about USC. He just ends up at Notre Dame. It's two years in a row where a top 100 linebacker who's not in your backyard, and you don't land him when you feels like you came into the summer with all the momentum to land him. So I do think like, – I understand it's not what your strength is, but it can't be such a weakness that every year there's a new Tackett Curtis. Steven, you said when it's Sunday is the next date. Is that yes. Aaron Scott on Sunday? Anything else that's on the horizon uh, right now? So uh, Dylan Stewart, the five-star edge rusher, well, I mean, he, we're kind of in that window for him as we head into August here. Uh, K.J. Bolden, I believe, is August 5th off the top of my and then Edric Houston is later in the month of August. So there are some – I mean, that's it. Those are pro- probably the four key defensive recruits for the rest of the summer here before we get into them trying to, you know, punctuate the class here. It would be really nice for this class if they go four for four or at least three for four on those situations, especially uh, KJ Bolton's hard, man. You're trying to pull a kid who's from Georgia away from his home school, who was the reigning national champion because of what they do on defense. That's hard. Edric Houston, Georgia's not really in the mix. That's more of a Bama race, but I think people are also not giving Bama enough credit for what they're doing with KJ Bolden because Nick Saban is still Nick Saban, while South Carolina is the thing with Dylan Stewart. If you can go three for four with the two edge rushers, well, one's more of a defensive lineman because you might be able to move him inside. If you can get Houston, Scott, and Stewart locked in and then – somehow pull off KJ Bolden what's happened with Marquis Lightfoot and Kingston matters a little bit less than it does right now that was Kingston Viliamu Asa which I'm finally saying correctly but possibly for the last time <laughs> yeah. ever in my life depending on how how things go in the next couple of years that wraps up that commitment stay tuned to Buckeye talk the texts and everything else 
for more Ohio State recruiting as this, the rest of this summer unfolds. We're going to come back from this break and we are going to talk about the future of Buckeye Talk and a little bit more about our, our newest member of the team. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. All right, so like I said, I turned the next, the rest of this podcast kind of over to our tech subscribers. If you're not a tech subscriber, 614-350-3315. We're coming up on a, a great window. If, you, if you've never subscribed before or you want to come back, um, Wednesday and Thursday of this week is Big Ten Media Days. There'll be a lot of intel from there, talking to Ryan Day about the roster and what's going on and the quarterbacks and other things around the Big Ten. And we're just going to be opening the fire hose of intel of what we hear on Wednesday. On Thursday, uh, Jim Harbaugh in Michigan will be there. Some other people will be there. So we're going to keep it going. And it's it, that just runs right into the start of fall camp a week later. So um, a perfect time to sign up, really, would be like Thursday, August 4th is the first camp. If you want to sign up like at 12.01 a.m. on that Thursday, Maybe just dial 614-350-3315 now and just don't touch your phone again and then hit send at 12.01 a.m. And we'll get the link and you can sign up and you get the two-week free trial, $3.99 a month after that. But two-week free trial and uh, you just click, just say stop and you stop and it's that easy. We hope you'll join us. But I turned the, these next couple segments over to them because we know you all have a lot of questions about how we're feeling and what we're thinking and what's coming next with uh, Buckeye talk. So right away, Johnny Buckeye from Long Beach, California, since we feel like we know each other somewhat well, I think texters would be interested in you and Steven's feelings about losing Doug. What has he meant to you? It was admittedly strange that Steven wasn't around for Doug's last week slash show. Um, this is true. Like, like Steven said, Doug told me and Steven a week before he told the world, um, so last week felt a little bit like rushed and inadequate to pay homage to everything that he did here. Um, we do want to move on to like what's next, but Steven, you weren't uh, around to, to say goodbye to Doug. Um, but, uh, we're going to miss him. And at the same time, this is it. it we're professionals and it's just time to, to yeah. move on to the next thing. Yeah, man. Uh, it was, uh, great working with him for last five years. I mean, I was 23 or 24. When I got this job, which I was like listening to your guys' Friday pod, and you're talking about the fact that <laughs> Andrew's 26. And it's like, I was 24 when I got this job. It'll be all right. Ain't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be okay. Um, but yeah, uh, it was great. Uh, it, it was fun working with Doug during that time period because that's when the pod really started to grow. Um, we were doing pods in McDonald's when I first got this job. Like my first day on the job with Doug was – Saturday of the Nebraska game. So we're trying to cover the game right after the Purdue game when they're coming off a bye week and everybody's trying to figure out whether or not Ohio State sucks or not. While also he's trying to show me around and introduce me to all these people. He's like introducing me to Pantone and all these assistant coaches. Like, I'm not going to remember any of these people today, man. We're going to have to do this again on Tuesday. But yeah, I'm going to miss Doug. Doug was very helpful for me early on then when it was not necessarily the most ideal situation to try to hire somebody in the middle of a season while also you're trying to move them from somewhere. But he was very helpful at that point. It was really fun to see this pod grow over the last five years with him. What I think people, when they ask these questions, really want us to do is like rip Doug and say, oh, we well, he's that not too. here anymore. You can finally say what you always wanted to say about him. And, uh, you know, here's the, the plain truth of it. Um, Doug. Uh, his performance and his um, reputation and what he's done in this business speak for itself. And mm -hmm. he made us better. 
and he cared deeply about this product. And by that, I mean this product, the one we're talking on, but all of Cleveland.com. But he also cared about people. And that came through in the way that he talked about this team, the way he talked about our listeners. And it came through also in um, our personal relationships with him. So best of luck to Doug. And um, we'll be seeing him uh, as early as this week in Indy. And and you'll all be hearing from him again soon in his other venture. Uh, Another question. I'm sure people would love to hear a plan for the pod, even if that plan is we are taking it day by day and seeing what you guys like, don't like. Uh, that said, will you or Steven have to start yelling more and getting unnecessarily angry over things? I don't think anybody's going to just uh, take on a personality they don't have. I think the plain answer is, and, and you guys can chime in, um, there's a template here. There's We know why you're here, and um, it's worked. And there's not a reason to um, throw this in a blender and and start over. Uh, I, I think we have a good rhythm that has been um established here over the past many years that this pod's been going and um we all have our own unique personalities though and i think that's what's going to maybe just be the big the, the biggest difference we're adding a new voice and steven and mine's voice will be more prominent than it was in the past that's not just a uh knock a, a rip on how long doug would talk sometimes um but yeah i i, I mean you guys have probably already started thinking about this and i i don't think t- today it's really as much about how, how are things going to change? I think it's more just that we're going to keep trying to uh, continue the success that we've had. Yeah. I think there are some staples that I don't see why they need to go away. Um, the personalities of who leads them can sometimes might be different because yeah, Doug is, you know, I'll say this for start. Doug's personality on the pod is, is the exact same personality as it is off the pod. <laughs> so if you're, if you're looking for like the, the rip duck, no, it's what you see is what you get with him. Which you have to respect. It doesn't change. It's not. It's not an act. He's like he's just that passionate. When we when we have meetings, he gets that passionate about stuff. You know, so it, it, it's always the same thing. The only thing that might change is, and I mean, we do that. We do this every year, just like figuring out execution of how we want the flow of certain things to go during the season. And I think we had a good one last year where like. Doug had like the rants pods and stuff like that. And it felt like Nathan and I had more time to do other stuff. Obviously that will change this year with how we do some execution things, but that's, you know, talk for our meetings that you guys don't get a chance to be in, in on, which some of you given back when we were doing those zoom calls and don't know how to get up the zoom calls, Some of you would love to be on those meetings as well. There was another question. I'm trying to find it here in my list. Here it is. Uh, it's from Chris, not Beanie Wells from Powell. Who's going to take on the Doug role and look at things from a fan's perspective? Who's going to advocate for the fans when talking to OSU officials? X's and O's, recruiting, game recaps, everyone does that. Without Doug, what makes Buckeye Talk and the tech service unique? I think that is a, a fantastic question. Um, that is probably a bigger question for the off season in some ways when it comes to the pod. Because we're about to get into, uh, as you all know, a rhythm of... We're doing interviews. There's a game coming up. We have to preview the game. We're doing a pod after the game. We're doing another mm-hmm. pod that recaps the game. Like things get a little bit structured during a season. It doesn't mean we're going to be stale, I don't think, but it's, I'm just saying what we did in the past since I've been here in 2019 with Doug or since we went to five a week. That's kind of how it's rolled. I think our bigger challenge for, for Steven and I and for Andrew, because now he's part of this, will be to, um, to find that kind of creative voice in the off season to come up with those 
podcasts that keep people coming back five days a week. And um, that, again, that's just part of the challenge of this job. Andrew, you guys did a podcast that was starting to, I think, really build an audience um, on the Bengals coverage. What did you find to be uh, maybe like the most important things, the most important approach there? And, and, and what did you enjoy about that, that, that format and the connection you could get with fans there? That's a good question. Um, you know, I think it was a little bit different for us in that we were just kind of starting out, you know, we were still kind of building, you know, like I, you know, I'm joining a podcast that has a very, I mean, the podcast, I mean, just for reference, the podcast dropped, no one had tweeted anything. And I had like six new Ohio State Twitter followers, like very clearly Ohio State Twitter followers. And I was just like, okay, so this is, this is different. This is unique where it's like, you know, we're trying to promote everything. We're trying to build everything there. Um, But, you know, in in terms of kind of what I like doing with that was I just like the intricate stuff of, you know, I mean, look, fans can watch a linebacker blow coverage on either way and be like, you know what, this tight end, he blew right by him, blah, 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 blah. But I kind of like telling people like, this is what this dude said to me just in passing. Like, that's kind of what I think people, that's what I listen to podcasts for. Whenever I listen to like a baseball podcast or something like that, that's what I listen for. You know, I, I don't listen to hear, you know, Hey, this guy went two for four today, or this guy threw for 350 yards or whatever. I don't, I don't care. I, I watched it. I, I know he did. I, I can, I have, and I have a phone and it has the ESPN app. I can do that. So, I mean, I think one of the things that I think people really enjoy and people respect is, you know, I went and I saw, you know, Justin Scott this weekend and I talked to his high school coach and here's what he said. And there's going to be a story coming about it. I just think that stuff that is just, you know, very, very, uh, it might seem kind of minute in like a bigger story where it's like, I'm just going to, you know, this is part of something that I'm writing later. I just think that those kind of little tidbits are really what, uh, I mean, that that's what draws me to podcasts. And I would assume that's what um, has drew Bengals fans and that's what's going to draw Ohio State fans. So. Another question. Do you anticipate the average length of the podcast will dramatically decrease in Doug's absence? In all seriousness, I do enjoy the crazy random non-football discussions that you all have. I look forward to see where it goes. Uh, thanks. Um, will we start having 20-minute podcasts? No. And no. it's funny because even when we've occasionally tried in the past to have shorter pods, I think people have noticed there have been times when it's just been me and Steven, and, and some of those have been shorter. Maybe there's something that we can knock out, especially in the offseason, that's like a 45-minute thing. And that's one of the five or six that you get that week. Um, but there were other times, I remember this, especially early on, like the first times it was just me and Steven and Doug noticed that we ended up talking just as long as, as he did, or the pod ended up being just as long as it was when he was usually on it. And he made sure to point that out. Will we do fewer two hour pods? Maybe, but I also don't think we're going to be watching the clock over discussing something as long as it needs to be discussed. It's this endeavor has always been about, context and about helping fans see things from as many angles as possible and to, to put things in the proper context. And so I think the answer is probably if you were to take out a stopwatch, if you really have this kind of time in your life, if you want to take out a stopwatch, or I guess they post the times, they post the times. So will they be slightly shorter? Maybe because let's be honest, Doug talks a lot. So we might be able to do the same amount of topics in the same amount of discussion, it'll just be fewer words. Again, not a knock on Doug. It's just how it is. He would say the same thing if he were still here. So um, I, I don't, though, again, I don't think we're, we we love Buckeye Talk, and we know people love Buckeye Talk, and we don't need to change Buckeye Talk dramatically 
Um, and if people are worried about that, they shouldn't be worried about that. At least that's how I've been thinking about it, Stephen. I think it depends on the topic. Now, I think with with uh, the with UI and Doug, it was just everything was going to be two and a half hours. But also, we enjoyed the conversations. It's it's not like we we didn't realize how long they were until we were done, and then we'd look at the clock and go, "Oh, okay, well." That's pretty long. I think there's some off-season stuff we might do where it's going to still be two and a half hours because we're in. It just got that somebody said something that either the other two didn't agree with or said something that was like, hmm, "I didn't think about it that way." Let's explore that. So it post-game pods probably not because I mean the house it also plays a decent amount of night games. It's two thirty in the morning and. It, you just watch the game. So we probably don't need to go any longer than an hour, but there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be just as many pods that are two hours as there are 45 minutes. It just means that sometimes it will, they won't all be two hours, but I don't think if the average pod with Doug was an hour and 58 minutes, I would assume when we, <laughs> Doug, I don't think it was quite that long. Just I don't think the face. average, the average okay, one wasn't the, that long, and that's coming okay, from fine. the guy who used to complain about how long they were that's sometimes. Okay, if the average if the average one with Doug was was maybe ninety minutes, maybe we're eighty. Yeah, and I guess the way that I've been thinking about it too is, if there were ten or fifteen minutes, maybe even just throughout the course of a week, that don't go to the pod, they're going to something else. They're going right. to Intel that comes out in the text. They're going to something we're writing. So. Uh, this is the this is not something anybody needs to worry about. We're not going to be we have established a format here and I I anticipate as much as it's my and I guess at the end of the day it is my and Steven and, and Andrew's decision uh that format is going to continue is is Correct. the promise that I would m- more or less make to people. Joe from Tennessee, I want to know which of you two is going to start interrupting the other and actually I, you could throw Andrew into this. Not to, interu- interrupt, not to interrupt you there. Not to interrupt you there. Not to interrupt you there. Yeah. Not to interrupt you there. But robots. Yeah. <laughs> They're coming for us all. Continue. We already did robots. Andrew already got robots. Doug couldn't get out the door <laughs> okay. without pushing robots on Andrew on Friday. And deciding to go off on wild, barely related tangents. Also, were there be any amazing imitations of players going forward? Now, this is the one where Steven and I mm. obviously have to pick up our game the yeah. most. Because we don't do a lot of impressions. And Andrew, I don't know if this is something that you do in, in your day-to-day life um, or just around friends or whatever. Doug liked to um, – and I wouldn't say that they were, like, all finely honed. But he liked to uh, – because some, some of them were a little bit broad. But he liked to drop the um, – you know, who were his the best impressions? You know, the Stetson Bennett is obviously uh, the best one, which is really just one Leghorn crossed with Forrest Gump. Uh, yeah. Tim May, there's been some good Tim Mays Tim over May. the years. Um, who, who else did you say there, Stephen? Ogeron. Oh, um, yeah. Coach O, yeah. That was fun until, like, oh, Coach O started doing, like, serious stuff, and so we couldn't make fun of him anymore. Um. <laughs> yeah, we, we need to – so there needs to be – right now, um, though, like, some of those caricatures, characters and caricatures have moved on. Like, Coach O doesn't have a gig right now. He's, yeah. he's trying to stick his name into every everything that comes open, uh, but that's not happening. And uh, Stetson Bennett's in the NFL. That's not going to come up much. So uh, when when a character around college football – presents itself we'll do our best to somebody it's it's up for grabs whoever wants to, to come up with the voice and and take over but uh i think 
the goofiness in general needs to still be a part of this. And Doug brought the goofiness when it needed to be brought. So um, we'll, we'll find a way to sneak it in, I think, every once in a while. Andrew, do you do mm-hmm. any impressions? Um, well, I've been described as goofy before, but I don't do any impressions. Um, everything we'll I've heard it. about Doug in the last, like, I don't know, two podcasts. I mean, admittedly, I didn't go back and listen to the last couple of months or weeks or po- of podcasts. So it just kind of feels like a, like he's like a folk hero like it's like a myth, the <laughs> yeah. myth of Doug Maurice. Like I just hear, I don't, I, I don't know for a fact. I haven't seen these with my own eyes. I haven't listened to it. All I hear are these two and a half hour podcasts and these like legendary impressions and like all the robots or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, so no impressions from me. I, I'm terrible at them. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I wish I could do them because I, I could just fill that void seamlessly. But we'll work on. Can't it. do it. Just like anything else. We'll just like anything it. else. We'll, we'll workshop it. We'll. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is Andrew any good at picking games? Our buddy Justin Mustachio wants to know. We obviously pick uh, the hope not. against the spread for every Ohio State game every week. Uh, we do some other gambling-related enterprises um, more broadly around Cleveland.com now, but but certainly picking the game scores on uh, our video and on the pod every week are pretty critical. Andrew, how are you at uh, ATS betting? Well, um, not very good. Um, I think if you, if there were people who, and God bless them if they did, because uh, they probably got evicted if they followed my Bengals bets during the year. Um, if they followed against the spread and the over under, um, they're broke. Uh, I was terrible last year with <laughs> the Bengals. Uh, the only. The only one that I was and like I didn't even it was it ended up as a push. It, this is a good example of the season that wild card game, the Bengals Ravens, the where Sam Hubbard had the fumble return. I went into that game and I I picked the Ravens. I thought the Ravens were going to win. I thought they were going to pull the upset, and I picked the Ravens and I told everybody bet their money line, bet the spread at seven. Like the Ravens are going to keep this close. Blah blah blah. And the process was there. And it ended up a push. So I felt like that was kind of like mm. the the story of my season in terms of telling people what to bet and like picking games. Because even when the process was right, like even when I felt right and it was like a moral victory, it ended up as a push. So yeah, terrible. So it, the for anything I say about Ohio State and betting, probably don't listen to it. Well, hopefully we'll have Tishu around uh, to also <laughs> yeah. keep doing that this year because he, he knows what he's talking about there and, and people uh, know Tyler and can follow him on Twitter. And I would say, I would always say, follow those guys, the guys who are actually using math, not the guys who are throwing darts at a, a board. If Vegas week. says it, it's keep, true. Just believe it. Yeah, we will keep bringing you those uh, game predictions that will still be part of the uh, weekly uh, game preview that will still be a video that we do every week that's again that's like an example of the the staples that we bring you here at buckeye talk that are going to keep coming uh another question for andrew what are your food hot takes some traditions can't be broken and we've obviously before i got here they were always doing uh a lot of uh food hot takes and a lot of uh debating the merits of, of different parts of cuisine and so, Andrew, do you have any like hard and fast like um, this is a rule or I love this um, at, at, in spite of this or what? what is your give us the essence of Andrew through food? Well, the one that makes people the most upset is that uh, I think milk and cereal is gross. Um, I'm not a big okay. breakfast person. 
but I, it like, so typically like if I could, you know, kind of script out my perfect sleep wake up schedule, it's like, go to bed at three, wake up at 10, 10 30. Like I'm just a night owl by nature. I feel like I write better after midnight. I feel like I do everything better after midnight. So typically I'm not one of these people who's getting up at 6am and going for a run or getting my work done or doing. No, I, no, I I don't want to do that. I want to wake up and I want the day to be started. So typically I'm not a breakfast person, but whenever I do have cereal dry, it, I, 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 I think it's disgusting. I think it makes it soggy. Um, I, I just don't, I don't care for it. I know people feel some type of way about that and they get very upset when I tell them that, but that's, I think that's the one that would make the pe- make people most upset or at least be the most surprising. So I have a question for you, Andrew. Um, yeah, let's hear for it. Starters, that's that's weird. Yeah, um, I understand. Put some put some, put some well, almond milk in your cereal. Hold on, let me let me let me go. <laughs> How do you feel about pizza crust? Pizza crust? Yes. Like, yeah, it it's bread. It's He's fine. Asking, are you an right. adult who eats your uh, pizza yeah, crust? I eat pizza crust. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What a wow! What that's really out of left field. What a what a T- space that you are that you eat pizza crust. Let me ask you this on the cereal. Let me ask you this on okay. the cereal. I, you're, you're, there's some other, there's some fluid involved though, right? Like there's some. You're, are you having some beverage? Are you a coffee guy along with just dry cereal? Ooh, okay. Like what, so are that's you going another completely one. dry? Uh, so I, well, so I'm not completely dry. I have a beverage with it. I'm not like pouring water or something into the cereal. Drink a water with it, or I'll, you know, a whatever. I'm, depending on how rough the Friday or Saturday night might have been, maybe a Gatorade. Like, you know, drinking whatever it's, I have a drink with it and I just eat them like they're chips or something like that. Uh, Frosted flakes, cinnamon toast crunch, like that's, Mm. I just, you know, I'll just eat it like they're chips or something. I, uh, and so like, I don't even use a spoon. Like I'll just, just eat them like they're chips. Like I said. Um, so yeah, I, I have a beverage. Just handfuls. I was, uh, so around the house, we, we do cereal quite a bit. I mentioned before the uh, the cinnamon oat square, the brown sugar oat squares, whatever they are. That don't get the Quaker ones, get the generic ones. They're better and they're cheaper. And we'll also do what's it called, honey bunches of oats. Those are like our two cereals we ever have at the house. We were staying with some friends recently, and I opened their cabinet for breakfast in the morning, and they had like a grocery shelf of like ten cereals. Like they just had like I actually had a, a choice, and I was starting to reach for the cinnamon toast crunch, and then my eye caught the um, the Reese's peanut butter cup cereal, which is like little balls of both chocolate and peanut butter in your cereal. And it was like, this is, we've just started. Now now we're not even trying. Like clearly this is just dessert. And I guess so are pancakes and waffles and pretty much everything else you have for breakfast. But um, it it was pretty tasty. So you can add that to the mix just, I guess with no milk, although milk was like the perfect compliment, I must say. Well, yeah, I mean, I, so I, I like the Reese's puffs are down on the list for me. I mean, the commercial when I was a kid, like I'll, it'll be burnt. I could be on my deathbed and I'll remember Reese's Puffs, Reese's Puffs, peanut butter, chocolate flavor. Like I will remember that for forever, but it's, I've never been, I've always kind of been down on Reese's Puffs. They're fine, but I mean, if I, and I'll eat them if they're presented to me, but I'm not, I mean, going out, I have like three that are on the pecking order in front of Reese's Puffs. Fair enough. <laughs> One one last question, Stephen. You're already kind of relating to this. Will you get a young guy button when Stephen or Andrew make a reference you don't get? Now that it's two to one, young and, and versus tenured reporters, and I would say no because I think the whole episode 
that thing would just be going off because uh, I don't get any young references. I I get probably I actually probably get fewer of them than Doug did because Doug had teenage daughters and mm-hmm. so he hears things like are, are people still saying on fleek like I don't know I don't know what people say I don't know any I don't know I don't I don't have any reference like my my wife is younger than me and has friends of that same age so like all the time I'll be like I'll see something that's like trending and I'll be like what is this even about and she'll be like you don't know about that and uh so uh I am not I'm not with the kids um and if so there's no reason to have the button because um we want the we want this to be all killer no filler we want this to be um what I want to say, like quality over quantity and just having that button going off would just stretch these pods out. And I don't think that's what people want. I've been working with Nathan for four years and that's the first time I ever heard him say on fleek. And I'm upset. <laughs> it's the first time I've ever heard him say on fleek. This is going to be fun. the first time someone in the last four years said on fleek. It's 104 years. You are. That's what I'm saying. You are vastly <laughs> underselling it in that situation. This is going to be fun. I like where this is headed. We will be on fleek uh, again after this break. We're going to keep bringing your questions from our Buckeye Talk subscribers. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. All right, so let's get into some actual football-ish questions. Like I said, we got a bunch of great questions that were very football-specific. I saved them. We are going to come back to those. We're not casting those out into the darkness, but it'll probably just be the end of this week. Maybe we'll do another rapid fire after we get back from Indy later this week or something like that because obviously the start of the season is coming up and maybe what we hear this week in India will help us answer some of those questions you're asking but here are some more things and Stephen I don't know if you saw this uh but something happened while you're gone but what do you think of the Buckeyes selling tickets to their practice to fans and do you see them doing more things like this in the future so for anybody who doesn't notice that didn't hear about this although I, I did text it to our subscribers when it happened uh, Ohio State sold 500 tickets to each of the first two practices, so August 3rd, August 4th. They were, I think, $30 a piece. They came with a hat, and you got to go get to go watch practice. And they sold out in, like, 75 minutes. Like, they sold out in no time at all. They were, like, not quite, like, Taylor Swift sellout, but they were they were fast sellouts. Uh, so to answer the question, like, 1,000% yes, they will keep doing things like this in the future. In fact, I think you're going to see this is not the end of selling access to Ohio State for for NIL reason. That's the other thing, the important thing to mention here. This wasn't just a money grab for Ohio State athletics directly. This is money that they're going to now funnel towards NIL endeavors and money that would, in theory, go now to the players. And uh, for both of you, you can chime in on this. But I mean, we're only going to see more of this. It's not we're not going to see less. Yeah, I'm actually kind of shocked it's taken this long. For something like this to happen, this seems like it just makes perfect sense. I mean, the NFL does it, right? They invite fans to their practices during training camp. I don't know if they – I mean, you would know better than I do, Andrew, whether or not they're charging fans to get into those training camps. But the point of the matter is there are fans watching training camp. Why shouldn't that be happening in college football as well? Um, I did get the text. I just got them in bulks because it's the service was in and out when I was in St. Martin. I want to go back to St. Martin. <laughs> You're going to keep just bringing up St. Martin. It's like this humble brag. Like, oh, yeah, I was getting yeah. these. I dropped oh, my listen. phone in the ocean near St. Martin. That was amazing. There was a, So we were on a boat. We had no service. It was the least stressed I'd ever been in my life. Why would you have the phone on the boat if you don't sh- have service? Because I'm a 
millennial, Nathan, we take videos of things. <laughs> this is right. why. Fair point. So, fair point. Yeah. For yeah. So we get back onto the shore, and of course, when you don't have service, the moment you get service, your phone starts buzzing all over the place. And the first text I get is from a friend of mine. He's like, "Yo, they selling tickets to practice." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And then maybe two, maybe five minutes later, Nathan's text came, and I'm like, "Oh, why is this just now a thing?" I think this is great. I think this is a smart way for Ohio State to go about NIL purposes while also to the point of um, – I don't remember if it was Joe Klatt who uh, Ryan Day was having the NFL model conversation with. This is kind of an NFL model of a thing to do. So I, I like this idea, and you do it early enough in camp, and I would assume it probably works some way similar to what we saw during the student appreciation day. Now, you won't be on the field, I would assume, but the idea of you're not really going to see anything important – you're just going to be seeing them do a bunch of cool stuff. Andrew, I mean, you've even though you haven't been covering this team, you've been a, a college football observer and follower for a long time. So I assume you would agree that this is something that's going to uh, increase both in frequency and probably in terms of the how close you get. They, they also were selling um, tickets to, I think it was eight to a table for $2,500 to this kickoff luncheon where Ryan Day is going to talk and then they're going to do a Q&A with mm-hmm. the assistant coaches. That's maybe geared more towards, you know, a corporate sort of entity than than the, the $30 at practice, which is which is reasonable for a, the average fan. But I think you're going to start to see more of both of those things. Well, I mean, money is good, right? You know, you uh, anytime you want to bring in money, I think that, you know, teams and programs and, and universities over. You, I mean, you, you kind of see this at, at a couple different universities. I, I know at like Tennessee, they were like they were advertising it like on the Jumbotron, like at the game last year to donate to NIL program. Like, you know, that is kind of something that I think you can start to do. And, and you know, this kind of thing is is a little unique. And it, I mean, it gives fans access. And like, I mean, how many people are going to be upset that they're doing this? Like. I mean, nobody, you know, and, and something I've always kind of laughed at, you know, with, you know, with college and, and, uh, when pro, I know, you know, in the NFL, you've got fans showing up everywhere. I think it's, I, I think the Bengals have it for free. I would have to check, but like you got fans showing up and, um, you know, in, in Cincinnati, you pull out your phone, take a video of Jamar Chase making some great catch. And what do you know? It didn't cost the Bengals a playoff spot because somebody took a video <laughs> of Jamar Chase making a great catch in the end zone, you know, like. I, I I would like to know the first time that a video from a practice gets like taken or some fan, you know, sneaks into a practice and sits down and like figures out how they're going to win a game in three months from because they're from the other team. I've always kind of laughed at that notion. So like open it up. I mean, give the people what they want. Like fans of this podcast, if you live in or around the Columbus area, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people who would live three hours away that would be like, you know what? I can go to a two and a half hour Ohio State practice. And, you know, get a nice hat out of it. I'll do it. So, yeah, I think um, I think it's smart. And I think that, um, you know, the more kind of opportunities you can have to do this, I think it just I think it makes so much sense on on a lot of different levels. I do wonder if Ohio State is going to draw the line shorter than other programs will. Um, That's fair. For two reasons. Number one, they, I think, are a little bit more. Uh, I'll use the word paranoid. It's not really the right word, but they are maybe a little more hesitant to open things up completely. I, I've told before, I think when I, the first year that I covered the, the year, I, I was the Ohio state football beat writer and, or I'm sorry, Purdue football beat writer for one year in 2016, Daryl Hazel was about to get fired. But when he got 
to Purdue because he was trying to like jumpstart some interest. He opened up like every practice to the media and to fans too, like spring and preseason practices were open to fans from what I remember. And then during the season, media could be there for all of Tuesday practice, all of Wednesday practice. Like you just had all this access. And that was because they needed to curry interest in their program. And that's not really a problem at Ohio State. So as much as they need the income, I think they'll probably, they might back off from like opening this up completely, like, you know, throughout the preseason, that sort of thing, or certainly during the season. The other thing I would mention too, and I texted this last week, the the NC State example where they auctioned off the naming rights to a blitz package, basically, like uh, you, you, uh, to the highest bidder got to name. I think the, the some blitz package would be named after them. It's a little that's a little gimmicky for what Ohio State usually mm-hmm. does. Uh, they're a little bit more conservative than that, but it's just money that's like they're asking you to take this money. Like the, you know that there are Ohio State donors who would break the bank for that sort of thing. And so at what point will that, that's going to maybe be a collision at some point. And will they pull the trigger on uh, cash in a check that somebody's probably already written right now for something like that, just waiting for Ohio state to allow them to, to submit it. Yeah. I think this opens the door because it sometimes you just got to do something to realize it's not as bad as it is in your head. Right. And if you think that before you do something like this, you're thinking of the worst possible thing that could happen, even if it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Oh, someone's going to come in and they're going to videotape our entire practice. and It's going to cost us the reason why we didn't score against Notre Dame in the second quarter on the fourth series of the game is because Notre Dame already knew what we were doing because somebody was that. That's not going to happen. First of all, nobody in there is is qualified in, in enough of a way to know what you're doing. That includes us who get to go to practice. We don't know what you guys are doing. We're just, we're, we're just trying to see who's the starters. That's all we're trying to see here. So I think you do it. You realize that wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be. And then you are open to doing it more. And I think that's part of the reason to take it away from the NIL conversation. We got to see a lot of spring practice this spring, maybe a yeah. lot more than yeah. we've gotten to see since we've been on a beat. And you can make the joke of Helms. How much of that is like this dude is just trying to, you know, get back in favor a little bit because he's lost two games in Michigan. But I do just think that he did it once. We were in there for a full practice. The world didn't end. You know, nobody said the quarterback sucked. You're still one of the best programs in the country, so let it happen again. And it, 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 it all he saw was what we always ask. We just want to be able to provide context. And that's when you allow people in, you – one, you get, we get context, which means we also get better questions. So you're not getting seven questions about, Hey, who do you think is playing well? Hey, who are the start? Who's the rushman? Cause we already know that cause we saw it with our own eyes. We can get deeper into the conversation. Yeah. I asked, I talked to Ryan Day about it and he said that, yes, context. He, he wanted the legitimate media to have better information because he knew there mm-hmm. were, for lack of a better term, illegitimate media that were, uh, talking incorrectly about the team and i think he wanted to reward people with uh with better access to so we could talk about the team better and we appreciated it how would you guys rate this is another question how would you rate the new alternate gray uniform compared to the other alternates they've had in the past for people again who might have missed this ohio state announced this past week something they'd been teasing for a while they're going to wear all gray uniforms for the michigan state game on november 11th the michigan state home game Um, and if you could put any helmet pants or jerseys together what combo would you choose Finally, do you know if the new jerseys will be sold to fans? Thanks. I would imagine you're going to be able to buy 
the gray jerseys? Will you be able to buy the ones that the players wore? Because that is something teams have done in the past, usually to raise money for charities and things like that. Now it would probably be to raise money for NIL endeavors. I don't know the answer to that. It's one we maybe should try to find out. Uh, but for both of you, how would you rate the new alternate gray uniform? A Andrew, what did you think of those? I really liked them, actually. Um, you know, I, so when it comes to college football, I am more of a traditionalist in, in a lot of ways. Like, I, I don't think that Ohio State and Michigan and USC and Alabama and Texas and all these other schools. I, I, I don't like typically when those schools kind of veer away from the norm. Like I think if you're a school like, I don't know, Maryland or a school like, you know, Louisville or something like that, then you can kind of be creative. Then you can kind of try and create a unique brand. So I, I, I had heard that this, you know, I, I had heard like that there, you know, was an alternate uniform thing coming and, I was kind of a little dicey. I really like them. I, I, I like them more than I thought I would. I, I, um, I'm a fan. I think the gray looks slick. It's a little bit better than the gray that they wore. Was it the Penn State game in 2017 mm -hmm. that they wore? Yeah, where the they land came of back? the wool jerseys. Yeah. Like I like these those better the than I like those. Worst things in the world. Yeah. Those are the worst things I've ever seen. Those in the jerseys that they wore in the Ohio State 2016 Michigan game are two of the worst jerseys I've ever seen in my life. Literally never pull those back out of the closet again. I I like these. I I, I think, honestly, I, I think I tweeted this. They look like the basketball gray jerseys. They, they kind of, so they're, they, they, I think that's yeah. why I like them. They're very simple. And I think it's, it's like the end of the series they were doing because you remember in 2020, when they went to Michigan State, they wore the white pants and the white uh, jerseys to mm -hmm. Michigan State that year. And then in 2021 against um, Penn State, they had the all scarlet. So this is the gray version of that. So it's just all one connection. I like this because it's a variation of your traditional jerseys and you're wearing it in the right type of game. Michigan State game, Penn State game, um, some random you know night game that's a Big Ten game because the Big Ten network needs it. Uh, I'm cool with that. As long I agree with you guys from a traditional standpoint of Ohio State Michigan game, wear your normal jerseys because that's history. And then if you want to go to the playoff and then wear the, the the retro sleeve jerseys, I'm cool with that. But I think they picked the perfect game to do it, and I like what they look like. They're simple, but still get a point across. Yeah, the real sports writer answer to this question is: Can I read the numbers? Like, what'd you do to the numbers? Can I read the numbers from the press box? That's really kind of the only the real answer that I have here. Um, I sort of take a pass on a lot of the um, Jersey stuff just because I know people really – there are people who really, really care about it, and I, I that's fine. Um, it's just usually the last thing on my priority list on any given Saturday. I will say this. I, I, I agree with what you both said about tradition, and, you know, I I really hated the Oregon stuff. I always thought it was gimmicky and cheesy. And but Oregon had to do that because it had no identity at the time. Mm -hmm. and that was how it helped build an identity. Ohio State has an identity. Those colors are synonymous with college football excellence now for generations. So don't mess with them too much. I agree with what Andrew said. Like it's kind of have it be based in what your traditional colors already are. And as Stephen just said, never wear anything except your real thing against Michigan. Where, where are the real colors? The one, the one caveat I'll make is I love, I do like when it's an homage to like a specific past uniform. Like if your number, if your uniform has changed to where people are like, oh, 
that was the uniform for the 19 mm. for the super softs or whatever and it's a you can say it's a specific homage to like what those guys wore on that team i get that i still wouldn't do it for the michigan game though i i think i agree with steven that it it, it makes sense for for all the other games and wrapping things up because we're not going to shy away from the hard-hitting questions here my question is, this is, uh, oh, I didn't get who it's from. It says, hey, Nathan, my question is, you think there should come a time when people stop wearing jerseys to sporting events, etc.? I'm an adult and I still wear jerseys every game day, but some people I know think that should stop when you reach a certain age. What do you guys think? And I think that etc. is important because I think you could have a wildly different opinion based on whether someone's wearing that jersey to a sporting event or whether they're wearing it to work or church <laughs> or a, a wedding. I don't even know. Like, etc. carries a lot of weight here. <laughs> if somebody would have showed up to your wedding with a jersey on, Nathan, would you have let them in the building? What jersey? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, you know, like Ryan Sandberg? No, they're not getting in. Mm. Gail almost Sayers. like anybody else. Almost like anybody else. Okay, so here's you bring up. I, I no. Here's the thing. So I'm growing up in Central Illinois. You get like these really weird split allegiances, and mm. you're more downstates. So you're more Cardinals for baseball. But the 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 the, the, the St. Louis Cardinals football was like kind of nothing when I was a kid. So I grew up a, a Bears fan too. So I have worn a Gale Sayers jersey to Bears games. Like as an adult, I've done that. And mm-hmm. I think wearing jerseys to games is a huge part of the fan experience. I think it makes the the game day feel fun. It's it's both like the attachment that you get. It's fun to go there and be in the jersey of someone like Gail Sayers and look at the the jerseys of like the Kajana Carters and the uh, David Terrell and the Cade McNown and these other like failed people where, you know, the person just spent like $60 on the Jersey that year. And then they just had to keep wearing it because they, the guy sucked, but what are you going to do? You've made the investment. So that always, I always get a kick out of that. Um, But I do kind of think it's weird when you like see middle-aged guys wearing jerseys outside of the game experience, whether that's in person or like at a gathering, like at a bar or whatever, where people are watching. That's a little weird to me. I don't know. I think if it's for a sporting reason, I'm with it still. Because when you're doing a sport thing, you're not a, you're not an adult anymore. You're an, I mean, you're an adult because of what, whatever yeah. if you partake in that situation. But you're not doing. You're, we're what we cover a child's game for a living. Let's be real about it. Literally, we cover a child's game, a game that was put together for ch- to, for children to learn certain skills so that when they were adults. So like, we don't need to take ourselves too seriously when we're in those environments. So if you're at a bar to watch the Super Bowl or watch a game or you're at the game or you're just sitting on your couch watching the game or at a buddy's house, do whatever nine-year-old version of you wants to do. Do that. Outside of that, now, if you're just like at the grocery store and you've got a jersey on, that's a little much. Or you're at a formal event and you've got one on, or you're just at work chilling, unless it's like Jersey Day, because I do I don't know I don't work in a real in a normal work environment, so there's not really a Jersey Day for us. Um, well, it is. It's just not for us. It's for the people we cover. If you're doing a sporting event, just be a kid, because you're there to watch kids do kid things. So you might as well join in the best way you can. Uh, if I could Andrew, throw are you a Jersey guy, and if you are, do you feel like you are going to hit an age where you can't be a Jersey guy anymore? 
No, I'm 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 a Jersey guy. I would like to throw one uh, other event into the into the mix: uh, concert or music festival. Like, if you want to wear a basketball jersey to a concert, like that's in the summer and it's 85, 90, 100 degrees, okay. I'm not going to be mad if you, like, especially if it's a cool jersey. Yeah. Like, you show up with like a Vince Carter, like vintage Raptors jersey at a concert, okay. Like, I'm, I'm gonna like that. Like, if you show up, you know, e- like, even if it's some random dude, like a Nick Young Wizards jersey, all right, you know, that's all right. I can respect that. Wear something that makes you comfortable, one. But I've never understood, I've heard this argument before, and I'm glad that this question got asked because the thing that I've never understood, Steven said we cover a kid's game for a living, right? And all the people listening to this love a kid's game, right? And I'm, I'm not saying it's bad, it's a mm-hmm. great thing. We love that. But you're gonna tell me, like, the people that are the Jersey police, you're going to tell me that a dad wants to take his son to a game. There's $300 down the drain. Dad wants to take his son. Then he's got to pay for parking. Then he's got to pay for food. Then he's got to pay for this. Then he's got to pay for everything that's going to come with that. And now all of a sudden you've got parking. You've got food. You've got maybe a hotel stay. You've got all this other stuff, hundreds of dollars down the drain for this particular day where you don't know if the weather's going to be good. You don't know if it's going to be bad. You don't know about any of this. And now somebody's going to say, hey, actually, you know, Ohio State jersey, not going to cut it here. It has to be an Ohio State t-shirt. Like, that's where we're going to draw the line after you spend money on tickets, money on everything, money to go see Skull Session. You're going to do all of that and then tell them that a jersey's out. I've never liked the jersey police. I've always think that – I just think that they're like – they're too self-righteous. Yeah, especially as it relates to actually going to a game or going yeah. to, like yeah. I said, like a bar to watch a game. Like how you, I don't understand any age saying you shouldn't be wearing a jersey there. I do think I am. I fall into that category of people, though. I struggle to spend a lot of money on casual clothes. Yeah, so you know what I'm saying. Like I thought, so it's weird to me. Like the thing you're talking about, like someone going out and getting like a, a tr- amazing like LeBron jersey, but like what are the that you then have to like fit into a very narrow window of times where you would wear that. I'll just say this because Andrew threw the concerts part in there. Um, that's the OU and you talking. Because y'all have all those festivals down there where all y'all do is wear jerseys. And so that's why you said concerts. Because yeah. you did it for four years. That's you exactly wore jerseys every years. spring. I had a job. Every spring. <laughs> I had a John Wall uh, Holy Rams high school jersey that I would wear. I bought it off uh, some website hmm. that came from out of the country, and it cost me like $18. And it, the quality was not, not bad, right. so I kind of liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, you mentioned a, a couple times, and maybe we should get people maybe a better idea of your biography before we sign off. You said you grew up in the D.C. area. And as Steven just alluded to, you went to OU. We know you were covering the Bengals for us last year. Can you give people kind of a rundown of how you got from where things started for you 26 years ago to now sitting here on Buckeye Talk? Yeah. Um, you know, so I grew up in the D.C. area, like I mentioned, um, you know, right outside D.C., 20, 30 minutes um, in Loudoun County, if you know where that is. Um, you know, so I grew up there and uh, went to OU. I covered pretty much everything there. I covered football, basketball hockey, wrestling, did it all. Um, you know, I kind of, I loved Athens, um, you know, and I loved that. And, and that was kind of where I made a lot of connections and, um, moved, graduated college, got a first job in Bryan, Ohio, uh, covered high school sports there. Uh, got a job about a year later. I covered the Baltimore Ravens for NBC sports, Washington. 
And uh, about a year and a half later, I got moved to cover the Capitals and Wizards. And then about a year and a half after that, I uh, got a job with Cleveland.com to cover the Bengals. Uh, and then about a year after that, I cover Ohio State. So it is, I have covered the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NHL, and uh, I, I've covered the NBA, like I've covered, and now it'll be college football. So like, I've covered a lot. Um, I've seen a lot. Uh, you know, it's it's a cool uh, background that I have to kind of be this age and be like, oh yeah, I've, I've interviewed LeBron. No, I, I mean, I was in the press conference with LeBron. I couldn't get a question in, but um, you know, there's just kind of those things. So um, that's kind of the brief synopsis of, of where I came from, uh, and kind of why I'm here. I interviewed LeBron. That's tight. <laughs> I went to Kent State. So like, you oh, know, well, all right. Well, we have to do stuff like that. <laughs> when, Andrew, when you came back to Cleveland.com, were you trying, was it just for that job or were you trying to come back to Ohio? Like, were you trying to get mm-hmm. back to like the connections that you have here? Uh, I would say a little bit of both. Um, you know, I was covering, you know, hockey and basketball in DC, but you know, football is kind of where I've always cared the most about. It's what I know the most about. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of something that ever since I was a little kid, that's always kind of been my favorite sport. And, you know, I, I, I loved every Saturday and Sunday. I love football and, um, you know, I, I'm one of those people who loves all kinds of football, like in cot, like, we will get back from Ohio state games at, you know, they'll play a noon game and I will very seriously tell you guys, like, we got to wrap this up. Like Hawaii kicks off at 10 45. Like I, I love all kinds of football. So I, I need to be involved in football in some way. Um, so that was it. And, you know, I think if, if, you know, if, if I had this offer to cover a team in you know, Minnesota, it might've been a little different, but, you know, being, you know, an OU guy, like I've got a lot of connections in Columbus and Cincinnati, kind of all over the state. So, so that certainly helped. So, you know, I, I wanted to get back into football in some way. And, um, you know, I think it helped kind of going back to Ohio where I, where I had, you know, some decent roots laid down. Well, we're glad you're here and we're excited about what this is going to mean for our coverage this coming season. And uh, that's going to start kicking off in a, in a big way very soon. Uh, like I said, this is the Monday podcast on Tuesday. We are going to get into the results of the Cleveland.com preseason poll, 13th annual, the you know, something that we picked up that Doug started and uh, has become a, a annual staple of, of media coverage throughout the Big Ten. And we're going to get into those results, who was picked to win, Offensive Player of the Year, preseason, preseason Defensive Player of the Year, other things like that, um, a lot to go through. So that's going to be the Tuesday pod. And then Wednesday, we're in Indy, and media days are going, and the season is pretty much rolling from there. So look at that. We're up, coming up on an hour and 15. That's a that's a very Buckeye Talk-like uh, length. And uh, like I said, I think you guys can expect more where that came from. So for Stephen Means and for Andrew Gillis, I'm Nathan Baird, and that was Buckeye Talk.